It's Tuesday, June 1st, 2010, and you've got Oz in your ears. I'm here on the shore of the Gulf Coast for Radio Free Oz, talking with Charles Dunder, the latest member of Obama's Gang of Five sent down here to solve the oil spill crisis. Uh, you've just arrived, haven't you, Charles? Yes, I replaced Professor Katz, uh, you know, the astrophysicist, when it was revealed that he was a virulent homophobe and a climate change denier. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, but so w- what do you add to the team then? Well, I run the Petro Nutritional Institute back at Solid State University. I'm down here investigating a sustainable solution to the well, the massive loss of fish and shellfish that's going on right here at our feet as we speak. Uh, petro-nutrition. I'm not familiar with that field. Oh, well, it's relatively new. You know, it didn't take off until we got the whole petrophilic nano-cloning process down. Uh, Excuse me? Well, sorry, uh, Mr. Oz. Simply put, given the right start to genes chain-ganged polymers and robust steroids, we can create a host of creatures that not only survive in oil-saturated water, but, well, they really thrive on it. Oh, mm-hmm. Is uh, is that one of them, that thing you're holding in your hand? looks looks vaguely like a shrimp. Yes, yes, exactly. We call it the slick shrimp, and, and yes, it does thrive in oil-polluted wetlands just like these. Uh, now, you throw a million slick shrimp scats as the little fellas are called when they come out of the test tube, no bigger than a puppy seed. <laughs> and a month later, well, they're as big as, as Buster hair, and ready to be flavored and sent off to market. You want to try one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it's a little chewy. Oh, that's the that's the polymer filling. How does it taste? Uh, tastes like pork. Yeah, yeah. Pork flavored slick shrimp. One of my one of my favorites. It's uh, it's Pan Asian. You know. let, let, let me have it back. Oh, oh, oh yeah, okay. Oh, now you see. Watch this. I I just dip it in the degreaser and watch as it springs back to life. It, it could rub a little of this on it. All right, here you are again. Now give it a try. Mmm. Now that tastes like jumbo bayou scampi, the real thing. Oh well, they're all the real thing. <laughs> well, <clears throat> and that should. Go over real good with the green crowd. I mean, you can re-eat them up to a dozen times, we believe, before the steroid skeleton breaks down. <laughs> well, they just turned to mush. It's a reasonable short-term solution, Charles, but I, I can't wait for the real shrimp to return. Oh, return? Well, Uncle Pete, that hole in the ocean floor is spewing some 200,000 gallons of oil a day. Your great-grandchildren will be waiting for these little shrimp to return. Now, so, now let's get real. I've got this oil-happy catfish here. You only have to put a match to it, like this. Ooh! <laughs> See? He's sautéed and ready to serve. <laughs> this is Peter Bergman for Radio Free Oz in the Gulf, and I want to go home. <laughs> he could never go home. Yeah, Radio Free Oz here on RadioFreeOz.com. And yeah, Dave, Dave Osmond, my co-host. I'm Peter Bergman, your host. And Dave, yes. I guess you never can go home. Oh, my. No, I wouldn't want you. There are some places you don't want to go home to, I guess, now. Or can't go home to. Or can't get away from your home once you're there. Because, you know, it's like... Uh, well, I got those roads down there in the bayou that have asphalt on top 
you know, the roads. Now they got asphalt on top of the asphalt on top of the roads. That makes things very sticky for traveling down there. Well, it's sticky everywhere, you know, and 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 people are walking the beaches, cleaning them up, wearing hazmat suits. It's a, you know, it's going to be the new postcard that's saying, "Wish you were here." There's three or four people in those bright yellow hazmat suits with the whole hoods on, picking up dead, oily fish and ducks. You know, those are absolutely going to sell. That's a great market. Get in on it as soon as you can. It's the new Louisiana. You know, like, get with it. It's slick. The smell reminds me of New Jersey. I didn't have to leave home to smell like New Jersey. (laughs) Look, all you have to do is is promoted as being cool. You know, that's all you do. Do a couple of shows on it. Bring Lost back and have them start undersea or something like just Well, wash up on the shore of Mississippi down there along with a couple of, you know, a couple of barrels of, what do they call them, oil balls. Oil balls? Well, they ought to have an oil ball. And they ought to bring, you know, all people ought to come down and be able to dress as creative anachronists, you know, like ducks before the oil. Or they could, some of them could pretend to be like, oh, I don't know, dead workers from from the platform return. I kind of think that uh, you know uh, they should dress like they did on the in the old plantation days. Yeah, you know, back in when the you know <clears throat> when the, the the wind. You remember that old Confederate wind, kind of like the oil. Yeah, blew hard, blew yeah. ugly, right? Blew ugly, blew strong, blew the country apart. There you go. Well, more news about BP our favorite rogue international corporation. Employees on the Deepwater Horizon drilling rig missed several signs that there were problems with oil drilling below the surface in the hours leading up to the explosion, a preliminary BP investigation showed. About an hour before the explosion, abnormalities began to surface, probably with dead fish along with them. 51 minutes before the disaster, more fluid was flowing out of the well than was being pumped in. A sure sign that something is wrong. Ten minutes later, when the pump was shut down, the well continued to flow and the pressure increased. And 18 minutes before the explosion, unusual pressure was evident and the pump was shut down, indicating perhaps the crew may have tried to stop the disaster. That's good news. Five hours before the disaster, there were also signs of leaks. And uh, three hours later, the pump gained three times more barrels of liquid than usual. There was a significant pressure differential between the shutoff line and the drill, what they now call a fundamental mistake. The report, which was presented to the House Energy and Commerce Committee, also showed that cement work, presumably done by Halliburton, failed to hold back hydrocarbons. Halliburton. Ah, Dick Cheney's little private preserve. There were also procedural problems where operators may not have followed procedures to test the blowout preventer. We did work on that before and found that they did the test, they just fudged them. The blowout preventer, the fail-safe mechanism that many lawmakers blame for the disaster, may have not been tested properly, according to the report, and several functions of the mechanisms also may have failed. You know, um, I did a little research on BP. They were thoroughly involved with the Exxon Valdez disaster. And according to one report, 90% of all oil-related problems, oil-drilling-related problems in uh, in the greater United States, 
are connected one way or another with BP. Now, BP is the company, and they fooled me. I got to tell you, they did. They did this big campaign starting about four or five years ago where they, they changed their logo, made it all green. They said, we're not an energy company. We're a future company. And they showed all these pictures of all the good things they were doing. And I actually, the spin doctor spun me. I read the stuff, good copy. I thought, well, here's a company that gets it. They know that the oil's only there so long. It's a wasting resource that they're going to lead us into a new energy, a new energy world. They get it. Well, they didn't get it. They just got the best possible lying Madison Avenue scum suckers to fool intelligent people like me. I was taken, and now I'm going to take it back. Well, in our race around the world, looking for news, odd stories from odd places, where have you landed now? It's good you say odd places, because according to the American ethos, all places but here are odd, right? Well, of course. Yeah. Well, this is England. I got this from some English Uh, newspaper, and it's by this guy guy named Shane Harris, who Mm -hmm. wrote The Watchers, The Rise of America's Surveillance State. But now we're going to talk about England. Nicholas Clegg is the new deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom. That's because they have this now power sharing, right, where the the conservatives have a coalition government with the liberals. Well, it appears that that both of them are setting, you know, policy, that they're working together. And it's it's quite sweeping. He set the, the bar high for his political reform agenda. In a recent speech, Clegg unveiled what he called a power revolution, a fundamental resettlement of the relationship between the state and the citizen. To kick it off, he took aim at the UK's pervasive security apparatus, a network of thousands of video cameras, a national DNA database, and an aggressive domestic intelligence service. If he makes good on his plans, it will indeed mark a fundamental shift in the constant tension between security and personal liberty, and it could have consequences on this side of the pond, we being this side of the pond. Supporters of enhanced surveillance must offer, he said, a better argument for why, in that constant tug-of-war between security and liberty, we should come down so heavily on the side of measures that do so little to stop acts of violence. He said, this government is going to transform our our politics so that the state has far less control over you and you have far more control over the state. The government will end the culture of spying on its citizens. It is outrageous. He said, it is outrageous that decent, law-abiding people are regularly treated as if they have something to hide. My gosh, Pete, I mean, Americans really like that. They like to be treated as if they have something to hide. For one thing, they've most of them got sidearms in the back of their jeans. Yeah, think, right, exactly. Is, is, is that a sidearm in the back of your jeans, or are you just looking for, for immigrants? I mean, you, you know, we, we think not only... Well, we hide what we have to hide. The English are great eccentrics. You know, they, got, they don't hide what they got, but we hide. Like all these Baptist preachers and ev- evangelicals who are hiding the fact that they're adulterous or homosexual, they hide it. It's part of the fun, it's, or it's certainly part of the ethos of it's America. Part of, this seems to be part of the American culture, to hide who you really are inside uh, the body of, you know, of... of well, during the Second World War, I think they picked the uh, the, the larger bomber, wasn't that the B-27 or 8 or whatever it was? You know, I mean, most guys would like to be just as big as this bomber. Yeah, right. But uh, And then, you know, that only lasted for so long. And uh, Now guys want to be as accurate as that missile. That's but, it. That's but, it. You want to be sharp. Or as stealthy be... as that drone. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we got stuff to hide. And, and one of the reasons is, I think, again, I'm just, this is cheap psychology, but I think we have so much to hide. We have so much that we 
we deny, that we just project this onto other people. So now the idea of surveilling everybody, revealing everybody's secrets is, is, is quite attractive. And here comes this guy, Clegg, who's like half the government now saying, no more here, buddy. And, you know, they, they, they have the largest collection of surveillance oh, cameras, there are cameras in the world. cameras everywhere, 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 12 or 15 of them on every corner. But what's so interesting is that a, the conservative party would make a move to decrease security, whereas in this country, the conservative party are the champions of more surveillance, more security, more cameras, and, and, and have a great support team in the American populace who increasingly doesn't mind what they, we, us have to go through just to, just to get on an airplane, which, you know, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself.